You are listening to the Content Academy podcast where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their content. So let's get to it. Yes, you're very welcome along to the Content Academy podcast. I am Phil McGrath. Paul Caffrey will be with me very shortly as we interview Sam Nordberg from samnordberg.com. Sam is the CEO of a training company in Brisbane, Australia. And effectively what her company does and indeed what Sam does she trains people to train people yes it's the train the trainer program and sam also teaches her clients how to create profitable online courses and perhaps it's in this aspect that we've got the most information from sam today there really are some great nuggets of actionable information that i think you're going to love and certainly ones you can put into practice as soon as you finish listening so we look at things about how to find what your customers want how to promote your content how to structure your content how to use your email list and many many more so without further ado, we'll get into our interview with Sam Nordberg from samnordberg.com and uh, enjoy. Okay, so we're joined by Sam Nordberg on the line. Sam, great to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to come and speak to us here in the Content Academy podcast. I know it's very early in the morning where you are, so uh, hopefully this won't be too taxing. And uh, I suppose just for our listeners who perhaps aren't familiar with you and what you do, would you mind giving them a bit of background on uh, where you started and uh, I suppose what you're up to at the moment? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me and for scheduling me in. I know I'm on the underside of the world, so it's always difficult to find times that work for everyone. Um, But I run a training company here in Brisbane, so I'm the CEO of a a nationally recognized training company. Um, And what that means is we're allowed to deliver certain government accredited courses. And and what I do deliver is um, the train the trainer. So I teach people how to teach people. Um, And we've been doing that for many, many years now. What I realized about 12 months ago was that just about every business owner I meet needs this skill, but they didn't know they needed it. So, you know, it doesn't matter what business you're in. It doesn't matter if you're selling um, nails or hairdressing or if you're selling content online. At some point in your business, you are teaching someone else how to do something. Even if you're selling product, you're teaching your customers how to buy from you or you're teaching your customers about your product so that they really want it or you're teaching your customers how to use your website so that there's no complaints because they can't work it out. No matter what you're doing, you need to teach someone how to do something. And so when we created the Trainers Academy, it was based on the fact that everyone I've ever met needs to be able to structure their content in a way that makes sense to other people and helps them learn because you have to get results. And it doesn't matter whether you're selling service or product or content or whatever. It's it's the same for all businesses. Yeah, excellent stuff. I mean, the, the, I think this one's going to be very, very interesting. I think we we kind of cross over a bit and, and obviously you're creating a lot of content. Um, you're showing people how to create that content, how to build it out into courses. And really what we want to get out of you today is your habits and your rituals around creating your content and how, how your workflow is and what a kind of a typical blog post might even look for you look like for you and how you research that and, you know, from, from research to editing. Um, and even yep. promotion from, from, from that point of view. So, I mean, we'll, we'll start it off, really. Do you have an actual ritual when it comes to creating your content or writing your content? Um, it varies a little bit. Um, I definitely have a sort of a structure, a process I go through. Uh, but depending on, A, how enthusiastic I'm feeling on the day or, B, um, how much of a rush I'm in, it can vary a little bit. And I think, um, like just about everyone, I leave things until, unfortunately, the very last minute. We all or seem to work, work better that way, yeah. don't we? <laughs> or I'm really poorly organized sometimes. So sometimes it doesn't quite go to plan, but there is there is a bit of a plan. 
And in terms of that plan, I suppose, when you're when you're researching your content, um, how how do you generally do that? I mean, we we've spoken to guests and some of them will have a have a plan in place months in advance so they know what they're writing. Others will, will literally spend the day before doing a kind of a brain dump and, and planning out possible content ideas and then maybe leaving them for twenty four hours before they start writing. I mean, in terms of, of how you do it, is there something you find that works best for you? Um I like to have an editorial calendar and know roughly what's coming, but I don't always. Um, my operations manager hates it because he likes me to have an editorial calendar so he knows what's coming up. Um, and about 50% of the time I do and about 50% of the time I don't. Um, so if I have an editorial calendar, then in, I've planned probably a good couple of months in advance roughly what I want to talk about. It's not set in stone because if something comes up, um, if something changes in the industry or if there's a lot of talk around a certain subject, I'll push things back to make some room for something that's important. Um, but I, I like to just kind of go around and, and sort of gather from my audience what they want to talk about. So that might be doing a little bit of research in groups and listening to what people are asking. It might be sometimes I go out to my list and literally just ask them, guys, what do you want to learn about? Where do you feel your gaps are? Um, and the other thing I do is always go back to my paid clients and ask them where their gaps are. I mean, on the basis that I want to try and attract more paid clients, right? Everyone does. Yeah. So if you know where their gaps are and you can start to build content that fills their holes, well, hopefully then that fills the gaps of everyone else you're trying to attract as well because that's the kind of thing they want to learn too. Well, that makes sense. And um, what types of contents do you find is working best for your audience at the moment? Well, um, I don't know if it works best for them, but it works best for me. I dislike writing. I'm a really bad blogger because I don't like writing. Uh, so what that means is I end up doing a lot of video blogs, um, partially because it, it gets me away from having to write stuff down. But the second reason I use it, and this is the biggest thing that I've found so far, is that it helps build trust on authority really quickly. Video is yeah. a great format for helping people not just sort of learn who you are and understand a bit about you, but really get to have a feeling for who you are and what you're like and your personality. Um, good writers can do that in writing. I'm not a good writer, so <laughs> I can't do that in writing. So I find it's much easier to do in video. The upside of that as well, and especially then when I'm building sort of paid content, is that you can screen share, you can show step-by-step -step guides, you can do all sorts of stuff via video. So that's one of the biggest forms we use for both free content and paid content is video. Excellent. I love it. And you know, most people would probably be afraid to say something like that. Um, you know, a lot of people, they, they won't admit that, you know what, I'm actually not that great a writer or I just really don't like it and therefore... I do video, I do podcast, or I just put out some audio. You know, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a brave move. I think it's excellent. I think we should all be very honest about what we like and what we dislike. And at the end of the day, if you don't like what you're doing, you're not going to do it well. You might force yourself to do it, but really, how, how well are you going, is that, how well is that content going to be created? How well are you going to be able to get your message across? And really, you won't give it, a, give it everything you have. You know, it's just going to be, yeah, it's done, it's out there, good luck. And you hit, you hit publish and nearly forget about it instantaneously. And uh, because yeah. you dislike it so much i love that i love the fact that you're brutally honest and in, in the <laughs> fact that you don't like writing you know i i like writing um i'd like to think i'm, I'm good at it um <laughs> paul paul might tell you otherwise um, but we both love podcasting and that's that's obviously where the content academy podcast has come out of you know we've been podcasting for years um but in terms of even if we take okay maybe so writing isn't exactly what you like doing but you do do a lot of videos if we take a typical video from yourself, um, for example, is there a general structure that you would stick to when creating a video? So, you know, the old the old uh, presentation adage of tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them what you tell them, and then tell them what you've, what you've told them. Is there something along those lines that you like to follow? or? 
Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of that. Um, it depends on whether I'm teaching paid content like lessons or if I'm building content that's designed to engage because there's two different structures that we use. Um, that when I'm building paid content, there's a structure that I teach people how to use. And I'll share that with you guys in a sec. When I'm building free content, it's kind of just like you said. Um, there's a little bit of an intro, which is where we tell them what we're going to tell them. Uh, we have a, an audio clip which plays with our, our jingle as such. Um, then there's content. And then at the end of the content, I always make sure that we ask them to take action in some way. So based on what we've just taught them, I ask them a question and design. It's the whole point of the free stuff that we give them. It's designed to make them do something so that they can get results. The faster that they implement and get results, the better it is for me. Because if they start getting results on my free stuff, well, then they're going to love my paid stuff. So you always want to make sure that even if you're giving away free content, that there's something in there that's designed for them to take some kind of action or implementation off the end. Um, and that's where we set them a challenge or we ask them a question or we get them to do something off the back of that. Cool. That's really interesting stuff. And with that then, um, obviously I've noticed from um, your lead magnet and then the, the, the free content you provide, obviously you're asking people to take a lot of action on that. Do you, you know, do you batch process or do you, do you batch release a lot of your content or how do you, how do you record it and, and put it all together? So, uh, in terms of batching, no, I'm actually really bad at it. <laughs> a bit like writing. Um, I don't <laughs> believe you should do what you're good at. <laughs> I hope we but, get to the uh, bits you're good at by the end of this. <laughs> with someone the other day because she said oh you've got it all together and I'm like no I don't who are you kidding like I think the thing in business is you've just got to find the bits you like and, and you've got to do them well um and you've got to be really willing to accept that honestly 95% of the other stuff you probably don't like or you're no good at um, it's, you know, some people try and market their business, but they're not great at the marketing side. They're great at what they do, but they're not great at marketing. Some people aren't great at content. Some people aren't great at social media. Um, you know, find the bit you love and do it. Like I, I write lots of content, lots and lots and lots and lots of content. And I like that bit. I'm really bad at organizing it and planning it in advance. And that's why I have an operations manager that makes me do stuff at the right times because, you know, I'm not great at that, but um, as a general rule, we release video content for our list once every week. Um, free video content goes out and it goes out on a Wednesday. Um, and I'm pretty good at that. Um, if I'm going away and I won't be there around for Wednesday, I tend to, it gets batched in advance. But if I've had a look at my calendar and I'm, I'm going to be around for the week, um, then it gets done on sort of the Monday ready for the Wednesday. So that just depends. Um, and paid content goes into the academy whenever we have something really juicy worth sharing. So that can be every two to three weeks they get new content depending on what's going on for us and what we're building. Okay, so that's, that's really interesting. And with that, well, when, I suppose from my experience, when we find, you know, delivering training, and particularly when you've got a, you know, a topic that you've got to follow or whatever, um, we sometimes find that you might have a room full of people who, who learn in different ways. Maybe you're kinesthetic learners, you're visual learners. Do you, is there anything that you need to take into consideration or do you, do you look on at your audience or the people that you're teaching and build that in or is that something which just naturally comes out with the content that you create or, or how does, does that register in your world? Well, with things like video, that kind of naturally comes across. So with video, you take care of your visual learners and your auditory learners at the same time. Um, and your kinesthetic learners are taken care of when you ask them to implement and take action and do things. So video is a really great format for meeting all of those needs at the same time. Um, I do find, though, that people can learn any way they want. 
um, obviously things feel more natural to them or they have preferred things. Like I prefer video because I don't like writing. They might prefer listening to things because they don't really have the time to sit down and watch it. And that's where things like podcasts are great because if you can give people multiple formats or multiple choices, then they can pick what works for them. Inside a course, I'd suggest to someone that if they're going to do video, then they also just cut off the audio and they have that as a separate download because there's a chance that their audience might not want to sit and watch the video, but they might be able to download the audio and listen to it in the car, on their run or on their walk. Below yeah, my that's, videos... That's, I, that's a really... Sorry to cut across you, Sam. That no, is no, a go. really good piece of advice that I think people really need to focus and pick up on there is that if you are creating any piece of content the chances are it can be repurposed to suit another medium so as you've said if you're creating a video you can pull the audio from that video and release it as a standalone audio product where like you said people who maybe don't have the time to sit and watch a video might want to listen to it in the gym on their own or in the car on the way home or to work i mean that's a fantastic piece of advice and i mean if you look at it from a point of view with even just youtube where we know you know a lot of people will release their content to youtube you can simply pull the audio from a any youtube video um very very simply and very very easily and with no cost and then yeah. obviously repackage it and repurpose it for just an audio based only to be released on stitcher or itunes or wherever else you want to send it out to. but that is a fantastic piece of voice that i think i just wanted to highlight there it's one of those things you yeah. don't want to go under the radar you know yeah. The other thing I was about to say is I also repurpose into text. So although I don't like writing, um, yeah, it is possible I can do it. I write a lot of material for our training company anyway. Um, I think it's why I don't like doing it online because I do a lot of it offline. But yeah. I always write at least the contents of whatever happened in the video below the video. So that this for two reasons, again, you might get someone who just doesn't want to watch the video or much prefers reading. Um, so always break down at least the main points and whatever they have to do to take action into text below the video. Um, but the other reason is that, um, and I have this specifically, there's quite a large deaf community, especially even in the business world who need resources as well. So for a long time, when all of my resource and my content was purely video, then when I was eliminating the ability for the deaf community to come and learn from me. So captions on the video is great, but if at least I can put a summary and, and the, you know, the key points of the video, what happened, how they can learn about it and what they need to do to take action below the video, it takes away that, that stoppage for them for being able to learn yeah. and it gives them the same opportunities as everyone else. And that's really important as well. Oh, cool. And um, no, I like that as well. I mean, addressing all, I suppose, all of the many different people in your audience there is awesome. Um, so I suppose when it comes down to it, then you've you've got a good feeling as to how you like to deliver content, how you like to create it and repurpose it. Um, but when it comes to actually sitting down and, you know, maybe your operations uh, manager gets in touch and goes, right, you need to do such and such content by such a date. Um, you know, do you have ever, you know, what's the biggest barrier for yourself when it comes to trying to create that new content? Uh, I think just like everyone, sometimes you just get brain dead. Like I, I'm sure you guys get it too. You ever just sit down in front of the computer oh, and the you blinking just... cursor. Oh yeah. Just nothing comes out. <laughs> the dreaded nothing. blinking cursor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just stare out and I'm like, right. Well now what? Um, so, I mean, that happens. My favorite technique is brain dumping. And I, I tell my guys to do this as well, like any of, of my clients, which is I will just find a bit of paper, a blank bit of paper, and just write down as many random words as I can think about um, to do it. If he's, if I've been given a specific subject or if my editorial calendar says I have something specific to talk about, then I'll write down words relating to that subject. Mm. If I don't know what I'm going to do at all, like if I've got a you know, carte blank and I can start somewhere, <laughs> um, then I will just write and write and write. Yeah. 
Oh, I and love that. that. It's something I do as well. Um, yeah. I'll spend, I'll spend five minutes just anything on that topic I can think of goes onto a piece of paper. I don't edit it. I don't think about it. It just from my brain to the pen onto the piece of paper and then I'll step away and have a look at it maybe five, ten minutes later and start to segment it down into where I think it might fit the content. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic one. And one of the things that I've found that works really well for me, and again, this isn't going to work for everyone. When I sit at the computer, if I'm, if I'm writing a piece of content and just nothing is happening, I'll actually get up and leave and I'll go and do the dishes or I'll go and I'll, I'll literally, I will clean or I will do some sort of chore or job just to get myself into a kind of work mode. And it might sound really silly, but it seems no, to work for me if I go and <laughs> or take the dog for a walk. We call it procrastinating. Yeah. You know, you're avoiding something if you're cleaning. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's, but that's it. It's But it seems to get me into work mode. So when I, 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 maybe it's a case that I just don't like cleaning. So I go, right, well, you have two choices. You can either write this article or you can clean. So for the brain <laughs> kicks in and says, no, we don't want to clean. Let's get this written. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, it's good thinking time. It takes you away. Um, I'm the same with driving. I do quite a bit of driving um, and I have an office. The office of the training company is an hour away. So if on days I'm over there, I'll often do two hours in the car and two hours in the car sometimes is really crappy, but other times it's just a really great time to plan out blog posts and content because I it just gives you time to think through concepts, to sort of line things out in your head. I can have a rough draft in my head by the time I get somewhere just because I've had so much time to think about it. So, so and exactly like you said, like if you're just staring at the cursor, just get up and go away. Like Do something. It doesn't yeah, matter no what. There's no torturing yourself looking at it. it no. And it is torture. And it's going to – people, I mean, I've spoke to people that say, oh, I don't really have that problem. And you kind of go – wait you will <laughs> it's it's coming don't worry about it you know um well i mean obviously you've said about even in the car you've had time to maybe outline um a piece of content um and have some have some nice bullet points in your mind to, so when you sit down to write you're, you're not stuck for ideas but i mean once you've kind of or even the brain dump once you've kind of done that i mean typically do you have a time frame where you'd normally step away and leave it before you'd actually start writing or do you just like to jump in there and then Depends on what I'm doing. If I'm doing um, sort of free video content and stuff, I just jump in because I find why the idea is still fresh, I get the best sort of I, the best ideas from me come out. Hmm. So what I do as well is I don't script my videos. Um, some people do, some people don't. I, I just don't like it. I don't enjoy it. So what I do is I just turn on the camera and I talk to it as if it was a person. It sounds really silly, but it, I always teach people to imagine your webcam is is your ideal client or is one of your paid clients sitting across the room for you. You actually have to look at the camera and talk to it. Yeah. Uh, and so when I do that, I find that the best stuff comes out if I haven't scripted it. And if I've just got a couple of rough ideas, I just turn it on and I jump in. If it's paid content, then it needs to be quite structured because I need people to, to get the most from it they possibly can. And so if that's the case, what I'd normally do is sort of go away for a little bit, maybe write then a little bit more of an outline, more than just bullet points, think about it a bit more and then come back and, and get into it. Cool. And I suppose with that then, um, what would you say is the most important factor um, you have to consider when creating content? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, I think the most important factor, and this is for any you know training courses, paid content, whatever, is that it's actually got nothing to do with you. And it, it's all about them. Um, yeah. I had this discussion with someone the other day when I said I do lots of video and they're like, oh my God, I couldn't do video. It's too scary. And I'm like, that. It's, but it's got nothing to do with you. Like they don't care. They're, they're not looking at your hair. They're not checking out what you're wearing. They, they don't care. It's about the content. It, it really is. No matter what format, be it podcast, be it written, be it video, it's they want the content. That's why they're, they're there. 
It's because they want to learn and otherwise they wouldn't have bothered unless you're Marie Folio, in which case people are looking at your hair. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I really like that actually because it's quite interesting. I remember um, a couple of years ago doing a best man speech and coming up with all these great stories of how, you know, myself and, and the best man, you know, stuff that had happened. And it was really like, actually, hang on. Nobody wants to hear about that. They only want to have, hear about him and his partner, yeah. you know. Um, I think that's a trap a lot of people fall into in in so many different areas. So I really like that. That that's a really good tip. It it's about you know your your audience, which which I think is is absolutely massive. Um, yeah. I mean, when you're you know you're thinking about that and you're talking to your audience, um, you know, how do you decide which ideas will work best for your audience as such? Normally, I it's based on research, so I always have a look around and see what's going on. You can see it, the wonder of Facebook groups and those sorts of social networks now is that you can get this real insight into what people are thinking and what they're struggling with and what they're doing well with. Um, you can do a little bit of silent stalking for a while and just sit in the background and just see what's going on. And you can, you can pick up really quickly where their gaps are, where people are having problems. I mean, look for the same kind of question that appears again and again, mm. or look for where people are having similar sorts of issues, or look for even where other people are giving answers, but you don't think they've quite hit the nail on the head with that kind of answers they're giving to that question. Um, and it, honestly, social media has made research so easy for us, so much easier than it ever would have been when you'd have to hold like focus groups and get people into an office to talk about things like mm. just stalk people on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll work. Um, and I mean, yeah. in terms of your research, and this is this is a question we've been getting some answers to. Do you do your own research or do you, do you would you have someone else do that for you? Uh, if, if I'm just sort of Facebook stalking, I do my own research partially a, because I spend far too much time on Facebook anyway. So I may as well do something useful while I'm oh, there. Don't we all? Uh, <laughs> um, but B as well, like I, I find I get a bit, a better understanding of what people need if I've seen the problem. Whereas if I get someone else to sort of do some research, then come back to me and go, oh, you know, everyone needs to know A, B and C. I don't feel quite like I really understand why or what's happening or where the exact gap is. So if it's research about people's needs and wants and desires, I tend to do it. If you're writing a very um, formalized content heavy blog post and you have to, it's a specific um, process or a system and you have to research that, anyone can research that. You can you can hire someone to do that for you. Um, but if it's about emotion and feeling and where people need things, I prefer to do that myself. I think I better get a better understanding of what's happening. Yeah, no, listen, I, I agree with that completely. I mean, so if we take the nat natural progression, you've created this this content, you've kind of, you've been able to map it out, you've created it, you, you have your key points you want to cover, and now it's kind of, it's almost ready to go. And in terms of your, of your editing, do, when more so, I suppose, really with your writing, which we know you're not a big fan of, but <laughs> do you edit your own content or would you, are you a big advocate of having someone else edit that afterwards? I'm a big advocate for having someone else edit that afterwards on the basis that I can never see my own mistakes. Um, I can read that thing three, four, five times. <laughs> yeah. And I, still I can, I can appreciate it. that. Yeah. Um, also because, it, you know, just because it makes sense in my head when I read it again, it doesn't mean it makes sense to someone else. So I'm a big advocate for having, and I, especially with written work, having someone else double check it and read over it, make sure it flows right, make sure it's grammatically correct, make sure you haven't just made some glaring error. I don't know about you, the, the best time to find a glaring error is the moment you've pressed send. Um, yeah, it, then it, it, it highlights them. It's fantastic. Yeah. The, send, yeah. <laughs> the send button will show you every mistake you've ever made. 
That's it. It's like this gleaming light from above. And you're like, damn it. <laughs> How, How did, did I, I not see that? that? Yeah. yeah. It's in the header. How did I not see that? Oh, um, I'm laughing so hard because it's happened so many times. I mean, especially when I started out and you kind of go, this is brilliant. This is excellent. Send. Publish. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. How do I Every take it time. back? Every um, time I do it. Yeah. Um, and so I yeah, get someone else to check it. The other thing, my dad stalks my website, which is... Um, kind of scary but so what he does is if I have hit send or hit publish and haven't checked something I get this email normally within the first six to 12 hours and it's from my dad and he's gone Sam on the first line on the second page you've said this and I think you mean this thanks dad there's no need to pay for someone to edit (laughs) just give it to dad it's terrible that's fantastic Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. I, I need someone who'll do that for me for free. <laughs> That's <laughs> fantastic. Father, he'll do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, so you've obviously it's been edited now. Your dad, dad's gone through it. He's kind of pointed <laughs> out your mistakes. I mean, this is the this is the thing we find um quite funny, I suppose, in a way, is that a lot of people they they put so much time and effort into into, into crafting and sculpting their content and and making sure it's grammatically correct, everything is spelled properly before they hit the send button, and then they just kind of forget about it. It's kind of few the relief of having written it and put it out there to the world, and they just kind of close down the computer and off they go. And for me, I find that that's that's when the hard yards begin. Writing is the easy part in a sense because you can write all the content to your blue in the face and it could be the best content ever. But if nobody sees it, it's not worth anything to you. How, how do you go about promoting your content? What, what would you typically do once you've you've written this stellar piece of content? I'm just so glad to hear you say this. Uh, it's so true it's so 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 true and I was the 80 20 rule applies again someone once said that you know in terms of the time it took you to write the material you should be spending 80% of your time marketing and 20% of your time creating so when you think about it that way if it took you you know four five however many hours to write that post or to film that video think about all the time now you've got to spend sharing that so there's lots of ways you can do it. Um, I, of course, mine goes directly out to my list. So if people are on my list, it goes there. Um, my content goes to my YouTube channel. Because of my content gets repurposed across the social media platforms that we use. So it might be Facebook, it might be Pinterest, um, whatever we, we are focusing on at the time. Uh, when it comes to social media, I don't use all platforms. I work on the basis I'm like 29 on the outside and I'm like 90 on the inside. Um, I don't get Twitter. <laughs> I have decided I'm too old for Twitter. I don't understand okay. it. I just uh, <laughs> I leave can't it there. It. Yeah, and, and you're not the first person to say that. It's you have to pick the the social media platforms that make sense for you and your audience. So uh, you're it. definitely yeah. not alone in that thinking. Yeah, and also I want to you can't do. There are so many of them. You cannot do them all well. Um, so you pick pick and choose the ones that you can do well and where you can d- devote time to them because you're going to get better results from being active and sharing content regularly on, say, three platforms than yeah. you will from sharing sporadically on ten. Uh, so I, th- I think it's really important is to p- is to pick pick your target and do it well and spend your time there and make sure you're putting con- content out regularly and don't be afraid to. I mean, we've said repurpose, but don't be afraid to reshare. Like someone in your on your, especially on Facebook, if your posts are reaching like six percent of your fans, if you share it once, likelihood is ninety five percent of your fans haven't seen it. So share again. Like it's fine to reshare. 
Yeah, no, I think that's something which is, is very important, actually, you know, because obviously you've put that time in, but someone might find you six or 12 months later even from that piece of content that you share, and that's something that we, you know, shouldn't forget about or just leave for Google to find. Um, what would your thoughts be then when you actually, you know, you create this new post with video, with, with text, and would you uh, send blog posts out to your, your email subscribers uh, for every blog post that comes out or would you do a kind of a monthly newsletter or what, what do you think, or uh, I suppose what works best for your audience? Uh, at the moment, I send one out for every blog. So because it, it's very regular, it always comes out on a Wednesday. So once a week on a Wednesday, um, it's called weekly mini training. So they get uh, an overview of what happened and a direct link to the to video and to the, to the action point. So they expect it. And part of the reason that I do that is because of the way we we design content and we structure it purposely for learning. It's very systematic and it's very purposeful. Um, so it always comes out on the Wednesday. They always get a, a, an email on the Wednesday that says, this is what's happening. This is what you need to do. This is, this is the process that no, won't work for every audience. No. Though. So that's fine. That works, works for us. Um, if you, if you blog a lot more sporadically or if you blog based on sort of passion rather than system, then I would suggest if you're blogging like six, seven times a week, probably don't send out an email every time. But if you're blogging once every two to three weeks, well, that's fine. You can send them an email when you blog. I'm loving this. My brain is buzzing. I, I have a couple of more questions I want to get. And there's one. Yeah, go for it. There's something that popped in, and it, it, I, I've heard you say it a couple of times now. I've just been sitting back and listening, and um, it's the structure. You've, you've you've said it a couple of times about how you structure your content. Um, yes. Would you mind sharing us a little bit about how you structure your content, or what you mean by that? Because I mean. From my experience, and I've seen some great articles and I've seen some really poor articles, but even in the layout and the way they do it, if it was just structured slightly better, it would make the world of difference. So maybe you might you might be able to elaborate on or explain to us exactly what you mean by structuring your content. Sure. So if, uh, well, if I'm teaching something, so especially with paid content, we go through five very specific steps and it doesn't matter whether you're writing it, whether it's audio, whether it's video, you follow the same five steps, which is first of all, you have to teach them something. Um, you can do that in any way you like. You can show them, you can tell them, but you need to teach them something. Second point is you need to share your story. We learn through story. People will always have and we always will. Like that, As a human race, we learn through story. Hell, that's why Disney makes so much money. I mean, seriously, people, they're the champions of storytelling. Um, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so, like, there's a quote for this podcast. Disney tells <laughs> stories. That's why they make so much money. I love it. Yeah. So when you when you share content, tell a story that explains to people why that content is so important. It can be your story. You can share how that bit of content affected you or how you use it in your life. It might be the story of one of your clients, maybe almost a testimonial, like this is how they used that content and this is what worked for them. Um, it can be a story just of a famous um, celebrity or something like, you know, this is what happened to them. This is how it worked for them. This is what happened. So content and story, although they're two separate things, can become very embedded with each other. Then you need them to take action. People learn by doing. You, you watch a baby learn to walk, right? It doesn't sit there on YouTube like sussing out how do I walk. It doesn't look for a blog post oh, for step-by-step That's, step on, that's only a matter of time away, I reckon. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, that thing, he gets up, he takes a couple of steps, he falls down, he gets back up again. And that's, that's how we learn how to do things. You can watch as many videos and blog posts as you like, but until you try it, you, you haven't learned it. So you need them then to take action. No matter what they're doing, you might want to ask some questions about it. You might want to get them to go and do something. But So content, story, action. And then there's two final steps, and these are the steps people forget about. Fourth step is feedback. 
people thrive on feedback. We love to know when we've done a good job and we love to know how we can improve for next time as well. So if, especially if this is paid content and you've got a group that you're dealing with, tell them, give them feedback, tell them when they took action and they implemented, where did they do well? You know, give them a pat on the head and celebrate their successes. Um, You can give them feedback as well for next time. You know, that was great, but you know, next time try this as well. And then lastly, you can. this is where you can add additional resources. So now that they've kind of learned that thing and they've taken some action, now you can go, great, now next time go and read this and watch this video and learn this step and you can, you can do even more. I think the thing people would forget is, one, they try and give all those additional resources at the beginning and that's when your readers hit overwhelm. So yeah. you think you're trying to offer a heap of value, but really all you're doing is just scaring people. You're bombarding them <laughs> with information. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. I, and so I, I keep it totally short and sweet. That. I mean, and just even from from what you're saying there um, about step number four and kind of the feedback, do you find that that can also then help you with content going forward? So from the feedback that not only that you've given to your clients and your paid paid uh, customers, but but also the feedback that they've given you, can, do, do you find that that then helps you guide your content going forward from the feedback you've gotten? Definitely, because you can see where people have struggled. You can see where people have flown through. You can see where people need more help. That feedback section is actually really great research. The other thing is that feedback session doesn't just have to be limited to paid clients. I mean, if someone comments on your blog and tells you that they implemented or asks a question, that's your perfect opportunity to give that feedback as well. Congratulate them on what they've done. Show them, you know, where they can improve for next time. And you can follow that full sort of five-step process, even with your blog, not just with paid content or a paid group. Yeah, no, I, I love that five-step process and we'll definitely, we'll have that in the show notes. So if you're out and about at the moment, don't worry about it. Just you can check out the show notes on that one. We'll have the the, the, uh, the five points in there. I mean, we're kind of pushing on here now and we're getting we're getting close close to the end. And I just have one or two other questions. Uh, one of them, obviously, we, we spoke about not being everywhere in terms of social media, Um, you know, picking the platforms that work best for you or even just the ones you like. Obviously, you said you're not a big fan of Twitter. Um, with Facebook, I suppose is probably the main one. I'm, I'm a big believer that you should be there. Um, whether you don't like yep. it or not, I think face, Facebook is a necessary evil at the moment. Do you find that you have to make much changes to your content? Um, depending on the platform or if we take Facebook, for example, would you tailor your content, um, from your website to your Facebook page, um, just to suit the platform or to get a bigger impact? I think wherever you're sharing information, you need to tailor the information slightly. Everywhere is slightly different and there's a reason someone's on a platform. Um, Facebook's probably the most generic of them all. But for example, with Instagram, obviously it's very visual. So you need to tailor your content to make sure it's got a perfect visual representation so people can see the content and not just have to hear it. Um, with Twitter, of course, again, it, it's very different. So you've got to tailor how you've written that that post so that people get the, the gist of the information in a very short period of time. I find Facebook is probably the the most generic of the platforms, which is that it doesn't have to be tailored specifically for Facebook as such. As long as it's got sort of some visual and some content, it's fairly good. But the one thing that I was always taught was that imagine social media is like a party. So people on social media at a party, and if you immediately just try and drag them back to your website or back to your blog post, it's like you're walking into a party and go, hey, just come home with me. I think they might call the cops. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's it. And, you know, these people are at a party because they want to be there. Like they're on Facebook because they want to be there. Um, They don't want to be dragged straight away back to your website. So I try and put now more and more content directly onto Facebook. Of course, we want to get them back to the website eventually. But you want to try and get at least some of the content onto Facebook. So rather than just going, hey, I read a blog post today, come and read it. You want to go, hey, I read a blog post today. It's about this. These are the key points. Come and read the rest here. 
So you want to encourage them to come to the website, not just drop the link and run. No, I really like that. I think that that's very insightful and a lot of people can take a, a lot away from that. Um, one one thing that jumps out at me, obviously, you, you have um, a very clear idea as to creating, you know, how you create your free content and how you create your, your membership side of content. And I'm just wondering what, you know, what is the journey or what is the ideal journey for yourself when it taking someone, say, from, you know, from the free uh, content you provide into a paid content and is, is there any, any methods or anything that you're deploying there that might be helpful to our listeners? Sure. So I use, um, we run a free 30 day challenge, which is, is our opt in at the moment. So there's a 30 day challenge that takes people through how to structure their content and how to put an idea together in a sellable format. Um, and so that's the biggest conversion point for us is that people come and read some of the free content then they find out about the challenge and they join the challenge and then if throughout the challenge they learn more about the academy and then they convert through there so that's the funnel that goes from free content to free opt-in to paid content um we're also in the process of building um i'm building another free workbook so if people don't want to join the 30-day challenge um some people find too much pressure having to do something in 30 days so there'll be just a complete workbook downloadable and the, the same concept will apply so although we try and give as much content and information away for free as we can of course we want them through that process to find out about the pre products so they'll find out about what the trainers academy offers that's different to the free stuff and what else it can give them um, it doesn't take away from the value of the content they get for free because that by itself is valuable and, and that of course that's very purposeful but you also want to use it to start to sort of drop hints about what else you do and what else is available from you fantastic I, I love that i really do um i think that's the big thing that a lot of people mistake there's no clear path with their content and they're wondering maybe why their conversion rates are, are so low and they think, oh, well, maybe the content isn't good enough. And that's not actually the case. It's just that they haven't thought about the user experience enough to realize that it's disjointed and it doesn't yeah. quite, the reason it's not converting is that there isn't a clear pathway from free content to email to sign pay. up to pay content and what that journey yeah. in between each one of those steps is you know from from landing on your from the moment you land on your site to the moment you opt in to the moment you you then decide to buy a product or a service there's not enough thought in that and well a lot of thought i i I'm a firm believer should be put into the content because you've got to create the good content to not only get them there but to keep them there and keep them wanting to come back if, if people like what you're doing they will naturally migrate towards the content you create every time they see it but you've got to give them an incentive to get there and i really yeah, like that you've got to at least tell them it's there i mean i was talking to someone just the other day and they said they were struggling with sales and they weren't making as much income as they wanted and, and i went and did a bit of a look around the website and it was actually really difficult to buy from them like there, there was a they had a they were shop having a fun game of hide the sell button yeah, well, that's it. They had a shop as such, but the product was sold. They only sold one product and it was sold out. And they had a work with me page, but the work with me page didn't actually tell you how to work with them. It just provided like a, it was more the about page. It provided a backstory, but right, there wasn't okay. a button. And I'm like, well, maybe this is why you're not making any money. Like, you know, you, you have to encourage people to give you money and you have to make it easy for them. Well, I think we all know if you go to an online shop, it doesn't matter what it is. It, might, it could be Target, it could be anything. But if you go to an online shop and it's difficult to give them money, you're not going to bother. Like, no, why true. would you? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, on that, obviously, that's that's a mistake people make. Um, are there any obviously obvious glaring mistakes that I suppose you've come across from a, a content point of view that, that people make, whether it's the layout of their content or 
or um, even the length of their content? Or is there, what would you consider as the, one of the most common mistakes that you've seen people make when it comes to creating content? Sorry, I'm just giggling because I did a video just sort of two or three weeks ago, um, which was very suggestively called "How long should it be?" Um, and no, the answer to about, that. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the length; it's what you do with it that counts. That's not um, the answer I was going to give. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Then <laughs> we were talking about length, um, and I work on the firm belief that, especially for my audience, and especially with video, shorter is better. So with audio, like you guys are doing, audio can be used anywhere. And if they've got an hour-long car ride, they can listen to an hour-long podcast. They're not going to sit and watch an hour-long video. They're just not. Unless it's Netflix and they're like just bulk watching some series, they're not going to sit down and watch an hour-long training video. So I know that with video, I need to keep it short and sweet. Like five minutes is great for free content, up to 10 minutes maybe for paid content, but I don't go any longer than that. If it's something I have to teach them that's a big concept, I break it down into 10-minute chunks because I know the likelihood of them sitting down and watching it if it's an hour is nil. The likelihood of them catching five or 10 minutes here or there between emails or while on the phone is much higher. So when you're doing, it doesn't matter what your format is, but you need to think about your audience and how they're going to consume your information. And then the biggest mistake I see is people not taking into account how people are going to consume that. And so they make it the wrong length. If they're going to have lots of time for it, long is fine. If they're not going to have much time, and most people, we're busy people, yeah? We don't have a lot of time. Then you need to think about that when you're building your content. I think that that really, you know, is really apt. And there's so often you might see videos, maybe 17, 18 minutes long, shared on the likes of YouTube. And you just know that people, they're not going to hang around for that. So so understanding the medium is, is absolutely key. And I suppose as you're talking about I suppose making the most of your audience's time, um, when it comes to, to yourself, you know, are there any tools or any softwares or anything that you use for creating content that you absolutely swear by that, that you think people should be aware of? <laughs> you know what? Pen and paper. <laughs> I'm really old school when it comes to um I was just about to say, we're going old school here. I like it. Yeah, old school. Um, I, I try not to overcomplicate processes. So I released... Um, I released a workbook for my career recently sharing with them every tool and every plugin and every process that I use. But I'm a firm believer that if I try and download more plugins or tools or apps, I'm just going to make this process more complicated. So I try and only ever, something only ever has one purpose for its use. Like I don't have Evernote and something and something else for taking notes, partially because I'm disorganized and I won't remember which system or which app I use to write the notes. And then I spend three days looking for my notes. So I pick one and stick to it. Um, if you're using Evernote and you love it, use it. If you're using um, just good old word processing to keep your notes and you love it, use it. Um, I use just, I have a big chunky notebook and a pen and it's normally in my bag at most times and I will write things down because it doesn't matter if I'm out or if I'm in the car, like whatever's going on, I can take notes um, and I, I do it that way. Love it. Old school all the way. A woman after my own heart. <laughs> it's just so much better with pen and paper. I don't know what it is. It just feels so much more tactile and oh, i've said it. I, I, I keep a notepad and pen beside the bed that's i yeah. don't that's it because if i if i think of something it goes in the notebook i'm i'm, I'm yeah. i'll be honest i'm probably also far more likely to lose my phone than i am the notebook <laughs> same the amount of times i lose my phone is ridiculous but i don't lose that notebook i've never lost that notebook no nor have i um and that's fantastic sam i think we have got so much out of there where we to go on any further um 
I don't think we'd be able to do a, do a complete show now, <laughs> to be honest. That We'd have far too much in there. But listen, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on and some real nuggets of information there. And I suppose just finally, before we go, tell everybody where they can get a hold of Sam and get some more nuggets of information from you. So there aren't a lot of Sam Nordbergs on the internet. Um, I'm sure you'll put my name spelling in the, in the show notes for them as well. We might. Um, but yeah, so you can find me on Facebook. I spend far too much time on Facebook or I'm at samnordberg.com and that's where you'll see all the weekly mini trainings. You'll get all the video content and everything else is there for you too. Cool. Well, that's great. Now everyone knows where to find you. So thanks very much for, for coming on and we'll absolutely look to get you on again in the future sometime. Thank you for having me, boys. Sam, again, I admire you for getting up at the time you've got up to speak to us. It is what <laughs> it is uh, just after 7 a.m. your time. So thank you very much for uh, accommodating us uh, at such an early hour. And uh, we shall hopefully talk to you again soon. All good. Thank you. So there you go. That was Sam Norberg from samnorberg.com. I don't know about you, Paul, but uh, to put some seriously good information in there. I, I can't, can't agree more. Absolutely excellent, really. Very insightful. Um, and I suppose very traditional pen and paper, similar to yourself. There you go. You're not the only one, Phil. No, no, there was me was thinking I was the old dinosaur with the pen and paper, but what can I say? Whatever works for you, keep on using it. I mean, some of the big points that uh, that I took from from Sam, um, you know, was obviously the brain dump, but something I'm a big advocate myself of is sitting down with the pen and paper and just getting everything on, 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 the, on the page and then going through it and, and figuring out what works best and within each piece of content. Obviously, is, Sam isn't the first guest we've had on that has brought that up, but yet again, it just goes to show these people at the top, top of their industries are, are doing the same things and it's these kind of trends that we want to try and find to help 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 you create better content and take these little bits of information and apply them to your own business when it comes to creating the content for you i i have to say i found the um the five steps to creating content really really excellent um so firstly in teaching then secondly looking to, to tell a story as to why it's relevant to to people i thought that was quite interesting um obviously then encouraging people to actually take action because that's the biggest thing a lot of people will you know they'll read the content they'll follow stuff but will they take action and that's that's what makes a difference um and then i suppose tip number four which is quite is a relatively new one is giving people feedback on how well they're actually you know um using your content and i found that quite uh, eye-opening i don't know about you phil but is that something that you've come across much yeah well it's something i have seen from time and time you know it's that when you have people coming to your side and reading, whether it's your free content or your paid content, um, and they're, they're leaving comments, as Sam said, about, you know, I implemented this and it worked really well. However, I was having trouble with this. You know, it, it was it was the ability then to be able to say, well, try this or try that. And again, you're giving them an extra bit of information. And yet again, you're giving them another reason to consume the next piece of content that you put out and keep coming back to your site. And at the end of the day, that's the reason you're creating this content is to build an audience, to build a tribe and get them coming back again and again and again. Yeah, absolutely. And I also thought that was quite interesting was, you know, giving away the resources or, you know, that resources page, doing that as the fifth and final step. And I think I can see the logic behind it, because obviously if people have, you know, achieved the first four steps, well, they're actually going to take action with your resources. And obviously, if I suppose maybe you might have affiliate links in there as well, that could be that could be beneficial to you, too, rather than just, you know, as we've all seen it, you know, having maybe 10 or 15, you know, free tools or free resources and, and not knowing where to start. So I like the idea of putting that at the end. So people have actually worked towards it as opposed to, as, as Sam mentioned, being overwhelmed by it at the start. 
Yeah, I mean, again, there was there was so much in this. And I'm just looking through my notes. I have a ton of stuff written down. I mean, you know, you know, treating the social media like a party that you can't just kind of walk into a party and go, hey, let's go back to my place. You know, chances are that's <laughs> not going to work. And I say chances because well, it's never worked for me. You? It should never work. <laughs> yeah, if it does, you don't want any piece of that, I suppose. It's probably, <laughs> it's probably the answer, you know. But I mean, I like the fact that Sam Sam understands that, and, and she 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 kind of says that that's what you want to do. And the other thing, of course, the, the main thing, and let's be honest about it: if you're in business, you're in business to make make money, and you've got to make it easy for people to buy from you. And that was one of the things we spoke about: was that Sam Sam has seen mistakes that people have made. That the journey isn't clear between the free content to their email opt in to to conversion rates, and even if they do get that far, is it clear where they push the buy now button? And that's massive. I know it's not quite creating content, but again it all links in you create that great content to get them into that position and if you don't give them a chance to buy well then you're 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 leaving money on the table yeah i couldn't agree more and i suppose when you just talk about the fact there you're giving away free content you're you're building authority you're getting people to follow you and then getting people to commit to some sort of program so sam was mentioning a 30-day challenge you know uh, or as she's she's going to release a, a workbook coming up soon. But again, getting people to take action and actually engage with your content has been a clear second step. Um, obviously, that's probably released through a lead magnet, something like that. And at that point, people if they've consumed your free content, they've went through um, your you know your course or your workbook or whatever that actionable piece of content is. And at that point, you should be in the position where you've given people enough value that. You know, they will be able to decide whether, you know, they should click that that buy now button and actually move on to your paid content. Is that paid content going to add value to them that they, you know, that they've come to expect from you? And I, I think that's quite key because what we tend to see is a lot of people will they'll put a lot of free content out there. They'll put some membership content out there, but they don't quite have that journey in between, which will actually link it through. So having those courses or having the actionable free lead magnet, I think is very, very clever and something that a lot of businesses out there could look to, to deploy, particularly in the online world. Yeah, I mean, it, it's massive. It's, it, it really is. I, I think that's it, it can't be kind of stated enough. But I mean... Like I said, there was just so much in that in that um, from Sam. And again, thanks to her for coming on the show. Of course, you can check out the show notes if you head over to content.academy. And uh, I think, don't forget, why don't you drop Sam a message on her Facebook or, well, she's not a big fan of Twitter, she said. So maybe just over on Facebook, even yeah. drop Sam a message and let her know you listened in and really liked the podcast. But uh, I think that'll do us for another episode of the Content Academy podcast. And uh, we'll be back in your earbuds very, very soon. Yep, I think I'm off to do some procrasta cleaning. See you guys. <laughs>